You want to make mom smile this Mother's Day? You can start Mother's Day with flowers or surprise her with gifts from the brands she loves delivered the very same day with DoorDash. Wow, that's a great idea. Moms are such a gift to us and we should treat them the same way with gifts, especially on Mother's Day. I didn't know DoorDash was doing that. That's exceptional. If your mom has a sweet tooth or if she's a tech enthusiast, beauty connoisseur, if she's outdoorsy, no matter what she's into, you can make her smile with a fruit or flower bouquet, makeup, tech gear, workout wear, and more, all deliverable through DoorDash. Get all your Mother's Day gifts all in one place and get 50% off your next order up to $15 when you spend $15 or more on your next flower, convenience, grocery, or retail order now with code THEO. That's T-H-E-O. Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. Did you know that? Um, well, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know exactly. But they said starfish uh, could be gay. I heard somewhere. So I don't know what we're gonna do. Today's episode is brought to you by Gray Block Pizza. Gray Block. Get that hitter. Today's episode is brought to you by um, the one and only Comedy Central. Comedy Central has your new favorite podcast, and it's called Stand Up with Chris DeStefano. Every week, Chris and his producer will be listening to and discussing some of the greatest stand-up of all time, from classic bits out of Comedy Central's library to jokes from today's hottest up-and-coming comedians. They'll unpack their favorite bits, discuss the comedy scene, call up comedians, and generally get into everything comedy. Imagine listening to an expertly curated playlist with jokes from John Mulaney and Hannibal Burris to Maria Bamford and Mitch Hedberg, and in between each joke, you hear behind-the-scenes discussions about the bit or whatever else Chris has on his mind. It's basically two podcasts for the price of one, completely free. There's no podcast out there that's anything like it. Subscribe and listen to new episodes of Stand Up with Chris DeStefano every Thursday, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Sitting on your front porch Wondering how could I be so far from my home Amen, moi Hello there And my mind is somewhere else But when I find it I'll patch up where it's been thrown Now I'm just floating on the breeze And I feel I'm falling like these leaves I must be on a stone Oh, but when I reach that ground I'll share this piece of mind I found I can feel it Come on. In my bones But it's gonna take A little time, a little time. For me to set that parking brake 
That is, you know, Shine by Bishop Gunn. Grateful to them uh, for being alive in the same time period as we are. Or as I am, anyway. I can't speak for you. But, oh, did you think about that? What if you were in some people, you might not get to know somebody because they born at a different time period. Think about that. Think about that. Oh, do you know, uh, you know, Carol? You know, little Carol? And people are like, oh, I don't know her. Yeah, because she was born in 1804. Oh, well, then. Yeah, don't know her. Think about that. What about Big Samuel? You know, Big Samuel? With the braids, he got the French braids, and he, you know, he always selling bags of yeast down there by the river. You know, yeasty Sam. Uh, no, I don't, where's he from? Oh, you know, he's from, uh, you know, by the riverbanks. Uh, no, when, how old is he? Like, oh, he's about 25, you know, he was born in, uh, in, in 1834. Oh, well, don't know him. Can't know him. And it is wild. What if what if your best friend, you know, isn't even born yet? They're going to be born in 2 years. And you and you so you missing out because y'all's time isn't synced up. Think about that. You so next thing you know, you milling around a preschool. And people are like, "Hey, you was you know, Hey, 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 Judy. Hey, Judy. What you doing out here by the preschool? And Judy says, oh, well, you know, little, uh, little Cecilia right there, the four-year-old. I think we got vibes, you know, friendship vibes, you know, buddies, you know, you know, vajuddies, you know, teamwork. Team tits, hashtaggers, you know, friendship. And they're like, oh, nah, you, you know, you 25 years older than her, so you can't hang out here. I'm gonna call the police. You know, timing is so important. That, you know, timing is important. And that and, and you never know, sometimes you might miss your best friend because you, the timing wasn't right. You know, you might be, your best friend might be four and you might be 61. But y'all, you know, and now and now you can't even be friends with somebody because the law says it's fucked up. Or the law says it's wrong. It's wrong if a senior citizen wants to be buddies with a seven-year-old with somebody that's in second grade. And wants to, you know, hang out with them on the weekends or whatever and do cigarettes or whatever it's interesting 
timing, how important it is. Uh, I'll tell you about this timing. So I just crossed the international date line. And I thought it was going to be a really good episode hosted by Lester Holt. But it isn't. It is um, It is a line. <clears throat> Let me research it for you real quick. International date line. Here's what it is. It was established in 1884. It passes through the mid-Pacific Ocean and follows 180 degrees longitude north-south line on the earth. So that means it's up and down. It's long. It's top to bottom. You know, it's uh, it's it's a um, horizontal. No, it's vertical line. It's located halfway around the world from the prime meridian. And when you cross it, the day changes. Well, it's an imaginary line. Also, it's not really real. So you can't get out there and, you know, you're not going to see a big Twizzler running from the North Pole to the South Pole or something. You're not going to see, a, you know, any buoys or anything like that. Or, you know, a guy out there with a whistle pointing, you know, Thursday this way, Wednesday that way. You know, it's just, it's where the day changes. Anyway, I crossed it when I flew to Australia and back. And I'm now back here in uh, the U.S. on U.S. soil. And I'm back here uh, in, I'm in a new studio. We're in a new studio. So if you're on the YouTubes, is you know, this is different. It's different in here. We have more space. Hello? Might sound different in the back when I yell hello and nobody's listening. Um, so just, you know, some changes going on. I walked in, I'm nervous. You know, I'm nervous. I walk in and I'm in my mind, it's like, oh, well, it's just going to be, it's going to feel suddenly like home and it's going to be, you know, nothing, everything will be kind of set up and everything will be, but it's, you know, we have a couch that, you know, uh, premature Nick, he got it on a you know so we have some furniture we got a chair uh we have a couple bags had some croissants somebody had that are empty now from the coffee bean couple uh couple sea bags couple croissant bags and we have a lot of empty space and a lot of possibility those are the things that we have in here um so yeah just a, a lot going on at the second you know, being in a new place, getting home, having to come into the into the studio and, and decide, okay, do I want to be confident when I get in here? You know, because Nick's here, Gianni is here with their new movie. His new movie is out now, the movie Ma, M-A, and go see it. Um, it's basically like, it's like fraternities meet kind of interracial dating, I think is what it is. It's kind of like, uh, um, you know, uh, what is that called? Um, it's like Kappa Apartheid Alpha Omega or something like that. It's like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's got kind of a, I heard it's really good. It's scary. We'll see. I'm going to go check it out. But we're definitely excited that, you know, to support him and be supportive of him. 
the uh but yeah man i got in here and i just did it i was like man okay do i be nervous do i just be confident do i walk in here and act like okay i know everything we're gonna do and um and you know nick and gianni had already been here they moved stuff in so they've had a little more acquaintance and they were just excited they were excited about the opportunity and so you know i just i just tried to ride their excitement because honestly just a little bit scared i guess you know like taking on new responsibility uh the rent in here is twice as much um you know the walls don't look the same not to mention the other place is gone you know the other studio is not you know everything's out of there so it's I mean, it still exists like in a location inside of us, but and in our memory and in in time, but it doesn't exist the same anymore right now. And so we're here, we're in something new. It's like we're traveling. Like when a baby comes out the body. You know, when a baby comes out the body, they got, think about all of that. First, the baby's been in there getting jacked up on it, you know. On that mom sauce, whatever mom's been having, sweet potatoes, chocolate, pickles, a little bit of freaking gin, you know, maybe a little bit of Von Meyer's rum or something at night, especially if it's winter time, a little bit of that, uh, you know, what is that, egg batter and cognac or whatever, the uh, eggnog. So the baby, you know, when they decide to leave the womb, they really... That's a brave move. Because it's basically, they're just, they're in there laying up in there. It's like being at the Hampton Inn. But the room kind of, you know, but nobody's, the maid hadn't come and cleaned your room in a while. And they got a lot of, you know, they got, when you're the baby, you're in that little Hampton Inn inside of your mother. They got the fessies over there and they got the, you know, just a bunch of Pizza Hut little, you know, boxes from all the snacks you've been having you gotta go and then you you know you slide out of your mother out into the world and it's a new experience and that's where we are right now in this new experience so yeah just nervous excited for the opportunity hopeful um i think i had a moment where i was like oh wow i'm part of like a you know i really have to be more part of a team right now um then I'm just, you know, because I need, I need help. I need help from uh, my coworkers. And I'm, uh, I'm just, you know, I'm grateful to have them. Man, I, I got, just got back from Australia. And I just, I got to say it was amazing. The last show, they had 3,000 people in Brisbane. Brisbane, Australia. And man, I can't, I'm trying to think of like what it feels. I just... I don't know. It feels like you can't thank everybody enough. It feels like, you know, you walk out there. I felt like damn Joel Osteen out there. You know, I felt like I wish I had a big water gun full of holy water and just, you know, just filling people's mouths up from 50 yards away. You know, just, just, just pressure washing the devil off of people. It was just, you know, it was like a bit, it was just, it was interesting. And then it's hard to tell if people are laughing as much when it's in a big space. But I got such a great response uh, just from people over social media. And then we went to the koala park and saw the koalas and saw the kangaroos. 
And if you never seen a kangaroo, they it's like it's like when they it's kind of like the first time somebody tells you, "Oh, that's your cousin or your second cousin." Or they introduce you to your uncle that you never met. And you're like, "Damn." Uncle Ronnie got some short arms and a big ass, you know? Oh, dang. You know, Uncle Ronnie's out there eating leaves off of the off of the shrubbery. Like, damn. It may it made me I was shocked that that hume that that their species. I was shocked that we're all have, you know, atoms in us that are similar because a kangaroo is like something, you know. It's basically a kangaroo is like the El Camino of the animal kingdom. It is the it, it is the uh it's got a fucking it's got a I don't know what it is. It's got like a dragon tail. It's got that it's got the body of a um kind of like a thick girl, like a real thick bitch that likes to fight. You know, kind of like a thick girl that doesn't, you know, that likes to thumb wrestle real heavily with others. And it, and then it's got the head of like a kind of a dog, like a um, Doberman, like a lean Doberman that's on keto diet, sugar-free Doberman, that SFD. And it's, it just, it blows your mind. You're like, holy shit, this is an animal now? And that's Australia. It's got unique animals. It's got unique animals. And you know what? Uh, one thing I loved about Australia, I'll say this. Australia is, if there's a country that I've visited that I could go easily see myself to live in, it would be Australia. And then one of the things that I loved is that they still have a strong sense of being Australian, it feels like. It felt like to me. This is my perception. And... At the airport, you could still go say bye to your loved ones, or you could meet somebody at the gate. So it was just really beautiful because you still see like a lot of like what it means to travel and be somewhere new. Like in America, you can't see that anymore. I remember when I was young, your mom could walk you to the gate and watch you cry in the little tunnel as you flew off to meet grandma. And that's natural. You know, if you're a child and you're about to fly four hours to see some senior citizens. I mean, that'll make that'll bring a tear to anybody's eye. And especially if you if you if your step grandfather is addicted to Marlboro Reds and he does them indoors and shit and you can't eat, you know, so right after dessert, right after a couple cups of pudding at grandma's, you got to sit there and. And get that secondhand smoke off of Poppy. But, but yeah, man, the, one of the things about that is you, when you see people hug at the gate and you see people like say goodbye to each other at the gate, like you could in Australia, you see like human affection, you see human interaction. And it makes you kind of, it gives like more of a meaning to what travel is. And so I saw, I would see that at the different places. And we flew, I think, to, I think we had, Maybe seven flights or six flights within the country once we got there. And you, you're like, oh, wow, this is, oh, yeah, this person is coming to see someone. This person is leaving someone they care about. And, and it just, it reminded me of that time in the U.S. when you could do that. You could go to the gate and, and greet somebody and greet a loved one. You didn't have to have a ticket. You could still be there to see them come or to see them go. And I miss that. 
it just added so much more meaning to travel. It added so much more meaning to coming and going. Because you saw others, you know, just to see somebody say goodbye to someone. It's like, oh, wow, that's human interaction. That's, that's connection. To see somebody give a kiss to somebody that they, that they you know, maybe they, they're not going to see them for, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months or who knows how long. And in your mind, you process, oh, I wonder, I wonder if they, you know, if this is their first time, this ever, their first weekend that they ever hung out and it was great and now one of them's leaving or if they've been together for years and one of them's leaving. You get to see a kid get get to the gate and run up and, and his uncle is there to give him a big hug and, you know, or the grandpa or the grandpa and grandma are there. See him hug the baby and lift up the baby for the first time. You get to see that. And it just, you know, I think that's, to me, that's when something happened in America years ago when something changed a lot. It was right around that time. And I feel like it was after 9-11 when that things just got a lot stricter and a lot more serious. And, and, uh, and we started to take out some of the things that reminded us how human we are. Um, but that's one thing I loved about Australia was seeing that. That's one of the honestly my favorite things about the country was just seeing that, getting to see that at the air at the airports when we get in and when we leave. It was just uh, I don't know. I liked it. You know, I like just seeing. I like seeing humans be able to. Uh, I don't know just express some of their feelings and have a space to do that or or just I don't know I just it reminded me that I was human a little bit more it reminded me that I was amongst others it, just seeing connection and seeing uh it just I don't know it did it was something different it was something that I wasn't used to you know I saw some exotic animals but one of the most exotic things I saw was people displaying human interaction in public um at the airport uh flight gates what else was my experience like? Man, I just have so much going through my head right now. Like, I can't even tell you just being in this place and just a lot, a lot of cool stuff. But thank you so much to everybody. You know, we went to Perth. I don't know if you've been to Perth or not in Australia, but it's basically, it's like somebody, it, you know, it's it almost looked like it went out of business and then they just restarted it back up. Um, And we went to... Brisbane, uh, where else? Oh, I went to Adelaide. That was wild. It was like kind of a sleepy town. I couldn't tell what place was kind of like what. Like if okay, if this city's more like Chicago, or if this city's more like New York, or if this city's more like Tampa. Um, I think I needed more time. People think a lot of times that the trip when you're touring, doing a shows that it's like uh, vacation. It's not. It's work. You know, it's a lot of come and go. And I just want to thank so many nice people reached out and brought gifts. There's still a couple gifts that people brought me to the last show that I haven't even opened up yet. Um, some nice t-shirts, some MMA guys came and one of them had a move called the hard scarf that, uh, you know, this guy in my neighborhood used to put people in. Somebody wore a RIP Billy Conforto shirt. It was it was next level, man. It was next level. I just can't believe it. I'm like, how did all these people know that I was coming? 
I mean, I mean, I know they know because like the podcast and because of social media, but it just doesn't, it didn't, didn't add up really into my head like that this many people would, would be here. And so I just want to say thank you. And we did it. You know, we did it. You know, that's one thing I'm realizing when I walk on that stage and that there's people out there is that we did this. And that if you are somebody who is wondering if you can do something that you want to do, I'm not like preaching at you or anything, but... But honestly, man, I've doubted myself every every step along the way. I've doubted myself, and and I still doubt myself. But I've but I have not. But I but I'm but I'm doing it. But I'm doing it. But I'm not. But I haven't really stopped my feet from moving forward. You know, and I'm not telling you that to preach it or anything. I just, I'm just trying to find a way to share some of my experience in case there's somebody like me, you know, who wonders, well, what do I do? You know, if I want to do, you know, chase a dream or do this or do that. And there's a little voice inside of you, whatever it is, that will tell you the right thing to do next or It'll it'll convince you from time to time. And sometimes that little voice might even be the voice of somebody outside of you that catches your frequency. And, and uh, yeah, just, I don't know. I'm saying, I think I'm sounding kind of preachy. I'll tell you this, though. A couple weeks ago, this company, Free Fly Apparel, sent me some snazzy shirts and i mean snazzy like if you want to look nice but not like you know you're going to the prom or you're going to like you know they're opening up a new power plant in your town and that and it's and they're doing a ribbon cutting like dude look if you got a power plant i don't you know i'll stay home sound like somebody might get electrocuted but Free Fly can have you looking however you want to look. The clothes are made from butter soft bamboo. And look, I gotta say, you think bamboo, you like, you know, we've all we've all heard the story about the boy in my neighborhood growing up whose dad made him a um a wooden shirt. But when you wearing that butter soft bamboo, you ain't really shocked if a uh if a koala or a panda rolls up and tries to chew on your shirt sleeve. It's surprisingly comfortable. In fact, it makes you feel like you're wrapping yourself in a little bit of Costa Rica or something exotic. But so soft, you're like, is this uh, bamboo? Is this shampoo? This is comfortable. The team behind Free Fly are a wife and husband duo of Nike marketers and her Montana fishing guide brother. They identified a big problem. Outdoor clothing was too complicated and too uncomfortable. Together, they quit their jobs and made it their mission to create the most comfortable shirt imaginable. Free Fly's bamboo clothing has natural UPF sun protection. Wicks away moisture and won't hold odor. That's huge. If you're running them under, you know, if you got, if your underarms is like little toilets, little septic tanks, then you got to tighten them up and you don't want to be carrying that dirty, dirty on you. The clothes fit well and come in natural color palette with subtle branding. 
and that is uh that's very accurate i got this beautiful kind of blue one this long sleeve perfect from fishing to hitting the gym or lounging around the house this stuff is the real deal free fly is now my go-to clothing you have to check it out today with father's day just around the corner gear up for adventures with dad you can get 20 percent off when you visit free fly apparel and use promo code tpw that's F-R-E-E-F-L-Y-A-P-P-A-R-E-L, freeflyapparel.com, and use promo code TPW. That's freeflyapparel.com, promo code TPW. Oh, let's take a call. Actually, you know what? I want to talk about this. I was, man, on this past tour, you know, I was out of town for three weeks, and uh, I want to thank you guys for putting up with everything while we were out of the studio and... um. You know, it's uh, one thing I noticed was I was I was, you know, they had a tour manager, so a tour manager, so somebody like kind of meets you along the tour and takes you, you know, like takes you from one city to the next and just make sure you kind of know what's going on in each place, especially since it's international. And I realized, like, I found myself getting real antsy with the with the tour management group, and they were great. I just noticed about myself, like, man, I would get real short with them. When I'd see them in the morning, I would be like, I would be like, just like a, just like kind of like a cranky kid. And I was thinking like, what the fuck is going on, man? Like, I don't behave this way. What is going on? Uh, and I started to realize it took me, man. It took me probably the first four cities. I think they didn't really know what. Like by the end of the day, I would be nicer, but in the beginning, I was just so, like I was just short with people. I wouldn't look them in the eyes. Um, and I wasn't, like I was being mean. I was being mean, right? But I wasn't doing it on purpose. I was just uncomfortable. I just didn't feel good. And I knew that I was not feeling good. I just didn't know what to do. And I started to realize that I don't like I don't like it when people have to help me. Like, I don't like getting help from other people. You know, I want to do stuff on my own. Like, I can do it. That's what I think to myself. I can. I don't need help. I can do this. You know, I don't want anybody to help me. You know, I don't need anybody. I can do it better. Or I can do it. I can do it. And, I, and I'm just kind of talking about that because... You know, I needed help. I just didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to. I don't know. I was just all. I just always been so used to doing things for myself that that I didn't want to say that I couldn't do them for myself, or that I wanted to even let somebody else have the opportunity to help me. I didn't want anybody to have the opportunity to help me because if you help me then somehow that's like a weakness of mine. If you help me, then it shows me that that I'm able, that I'm capable of like connecting. Then I'm at a weakness because I'm trying to get these words right. If, if I let you help me, why don't I like people helping me? Because I can do it myself. And if you realize that I, and if I 
let you see that I can't do it myself, or if I let you help me, then it... I'm just trying to get these... I'm trying to get my feelings hooked to my words. Um, sorry if this is kind of all over the place, but this is just something that's really been... Really, really hit me this on this trip because I never had this type of experience. You know, I just didn't want to look people in the eyes. I didn't want to... Like if I needed, like if you were helping me, I didn't want you to see see the look in my eyes that that showed that I knew you were helping me. I was keeping that to myself. Like I just didn't want, I didn't want to be someone who needs help because to me it was like a weakness, you know, it was like, it gave you like an ability to connect with me that I just wasn't ready for. You know, I'm re- I'm fine with being friends. I'm fine with, you know, joking around. I'm fine with having fun. But when it came to a moment where I needed you because you knew something that I didn't or that you, when, when it came to a moment where I was going to show you that I couldn't help myself or that that was a moment I just couldn't do. I couldn't do those moments where it looked like I couldn't fend for myself. I don't know. I know some of that's all over the place and I'm sorry, but I was really just trying to figure it out. I'm just, I just don't like that. You know, I like to be able to do things. I'm just so used to it. Like I think at a, at a level, even inside of me in the fabric of me, like in the stitching of my core, you know, I think I just realized at a certain point in my life, you know, at a youthful point that or something, or even when I was a zygote, that I'm going to have to do this myself. And and that's what I'm going to do. And so I'm, not, I'm never not going to do that. It's almost like I made a deal with myself, like I'm never not going to do this myself. And so now that the touring gets a little different and people are on board and people are helping it's like it's really tough for me to let somebody help me. That's one thing I've kind of realized. It's really, really tough for me to let somebody help me. And it, and it, and it I almost have an adverse reaction to it. Because if I show you that I need help from you, then that means that that, that gives you an ability to connect with me and that's scary to me, I think. So that's why I think, I don't know, some of this stuff I need to do a little bit more of work on and think about. But it was just something that was heavily on my mind, so I wanted to share it with you guys. Um, but thank you so much to everybody in Australia that came out. I'm happy to be back home. Uh, I, I have some jet lag. I just literally about seven minutes ago just got hit by jet lag pretty heavy, which is a tough, tough thing to try and explain how you're feeling at the same time. Um and I'm sorry for taking you guys down that wormhole, but I just don't. I wish I knew exactly what I was thinking more. But man, I just, it really, it really hurts me somewhere to admit that I need help. Or to admit that I, that I'm not doing something by myself. You know, it just makes me feel scared. It's a scary thing. And I didn't know that until I was on this experience and I'm in another country and, you know, there's a group of people that are helping out and they're helping and I'm just, 
oh, I was so upset and I couldn't figure out why. And I wasn't upset with the audience or like the, the shows or I didn't, there wasn't anything like that. It was all just, you know, behind the scenes. And, um, and so I'm grateful that the tour manager and, uh, and their, their company like put up with me for a couple of days while I figured it out. And then I started going to some different, uh, 12 step meetings and it helped me kind of calm down and get into a better space. Um, but anyway, uh, enough about that, man. I want to take a couple of calls that came in. Uh, here we go. Yo, man, this is Christian calling from Ohio. What's up, Christian? Over there in Ohio. Thank you for calling, man. Onward. I am 40 years old, and you said something not that long ago. You said something like, I'm afraid to let myself grow up with the things, without the things I always wanted because they're not there. And it made me think a lot. And I was like, wow. Uh, there's a lot of things that I thought I would have by the time I'm 40 or things that I thought I would do. And uh, trying to stand up was always something that was a bucket list item, but I never really thought, I don't know, I thought it was something I would have to work a long time to, to be able to do one time. And, uh, yeah, man, I just wanted to give it a shot. So tonight we got about five minutes. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm going to give it a go. So I want to thank you for the inspiration and uh and the laughs and all that so yeah word man well thank you for calling in with that dude good luck with that first time wow yeah look i think sometimes it's like you know we create these stories we have these stories that get built into us that we can't do certain things you know i was just talking with a friend of mine yesterday who you know she's going on a vacation and she just spent, you know, like $5,000 to go on a vacation, which is a big sum of money. And it's a vacation, you know. And she said, you know, I, I just, I never knew if I could. She's like, as I'm spending the money, she's like, I, something felt wrong about it. And she's like, I was, it felt wrong because I was spending the money on something that I wanted to do for myself. And not spending the money on just some, like, Oh, you have to save for this, or you have to save for that, or you have to have this savings plan, or it was like it was a, it was like against the norm. It was just me spending money on something that I wanted for myself. Even a good experience like travel. Like you can't just up and travel for a month. And she's like, Yes, I can. She's like, and as I did it, it just felt so wrong, but at the same time, it just felt so kind of perfect. Like Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is, I'm supposed to do things that I want to do in the world. I'm supposed to do new experiences. I'm not just supposed to save every dime and put it away in this shoebox or put it away for this and have safekeeping and, and never try the things I always wanted to try. And it really hit me. I was like, wow, that's so interesting. When, yeah, when you spend money on something that you kind of want sometimes, Especially like a thing like travel or a, a, a musical instrument or, or or doing something that's that you've always wanted to do but that's out of the societal norm, it feels foreign almost to us. Because sometimes we get built into this world where it's like, oh, this is the next thing. Oh, you go to you go finish school, then you go to college, then you get this, and then you get a job, and then you get another job, and then you. It's like. Well, what if we didn't do it that way? What if one day I just said to my boss, hey, I'm going to go for a month and travel. 
which is what my friend is doing. You know, she said, I'm going to go for a month and travel. And then I bought the ticket. And next thing you know, I feel like I'm wandering out into a whole different world of interaction with life than I have been previously because I'm doing something that I want to do. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's like you think it can take, you know, you thought stand up was something you had to try, you know, work at for a long time just to get up and even try. Dude, I remember I drove across the causeway about 30 miles. I've been upset my whole life that my dad was so old when I was born. And I've been making fun of him in my head to make me feel okay about him being so old. And then I just stood up on stage and started telling jokes about it. And so it was just... You know, it's and everybody has their own experience, but getting up and talking about something that's just been running around in your head, uh, you know, a lot of the work for trying stand up has already been done. You've been alive. That's the research. The research for doing stand up and the practice is being alive. Now, the 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 repetition is something that takes you know time, but. The ability for it for you to do it, to have the gunpowder, that's already packed inside of you. And the microphone, that's just the that's the flint. And that's what's gonna light it. But let's hear the rest of your call. Thank you for calling in, Christian. Yeah, man. Great. I wanted to, to thank you and, and share the fact that I'm gonna get up on stage later today and either shit myself or make some people laugh, so Gang, brother, and I hope it went good. Let's take another call here. Here we go. The hotline, as always, is 985-664-9503. What's up, Theo? Uh, you know, my name's Kate. I've been seeing a girl for about a year and a half now. And What's up, Kate? Uh, thank you for calling. You've been seeing a girl for a year and a half. That's a long time these days. That's, uh, that's almost like a first marriage. Onward. And, uh... We've been on and off, so we were never truly official, and I guess maybe that's partially my fault, and I could admit that, but uh, basically what's happened here is uh, about three weeks ago, I finally asked this girl to be my girlfriend. There you go, boy. You sliding into that, that, that deal, deal, deal. Oh, you want that? Oh, would you be my boyfriend, my girlfriend? Let's hear more. And uh, she said yes which is awesome, but my best friend let me know that uh, he hooked up with this girl about a month and a half ago when we weren't officially together. Mm. So I'm dealing with this whirlwind of emotions, uh, feeling mad, feeling sad, feeling betrayed, and not really sure what to do. And uh, it does seem like it was a mistake that they both regret, but I, I just feel hurt, man. And I'm trying to figure out how to move forward with this. So, uh, do you have any advice? Is uh, the path to forgiveness the right way to go? Gang, gang, you're the man. Gang, gang, bro. I'm barely a man. By genetic coding only, man. The rest of me. It's hit or miss some days, dude, because I can be a real bad You know, this makes me think, uh, okay, when I was, when I was, um, when I was in school, when I was in high school, I was in love with this girl. and She had been seeing some guy before me that she lost her virginity to, right? And 
and you know what I'm saying. Some girls, you know, you they lose their virginity, and then then you come along and you 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 take their West virginity, and that's usually, you know, b-hole sex. That's the b-hole deal, is their West virginity. But, um, but anyway, that was just a, that was just kind of a joke. But, um, what I'm saying is this, man. I never got over the fact that she had uh, already hooked up with some other guy before we got together. I never got over it. I always let it just fester on me. And just this weird jealousy, it gave me a thing to be angry about. And in the end, that shit was all about me, man. It was, you know, it had nothing to do with her. This girl had just been living her life, you know. And the guy that she'd hooked up with, I actually really liked that guy. And he was a friend of mine. And, you know, and it, when you're young, it's hard to, to not be jealous. Uh but I would just say, fucking man, at least two people, you at least you know you're in the right ballpark. Because if they've already hooked up, then you're really the missing link. You know, it's like, oh, if you're if you're friends with one of them and you like the other one, you know, I think you could probably get past it pretty quick. I would just you know, it's really going to be super, it's going to be, the, the the move is to get past it. It's going to be super macho of you. And you don't even need to tell them you forgive them. Just, you got to do it inside of yourself, I think. You know, that's what I wish I would have done. Now, what I did, here's something else you could do. What I did was hold it against the girl, bring it up all the time when we were drunk, fight about it, cry about it in, in, in the front yard, cry about it in the backyard you could go my route and you might not be rewarded i mean it's it's a painful route to go you end up laying on your back out in the street in the middle of the night smoking menthols bro smoking them fucking uh a pack of winston menthols limited editions 110s dude you ever smoked a pack of 110 menthols dog Come on, boy. Dude, the thing so the uh the cherry so big on the end of those cigarettes, damn mosquitoes show up for it. That thing's wild. So I would say, yeah, man, I'd go I'd go that forgiveness right and be that big dog. Be the big dog. You still got the best friend, you still got the girl. So they hooked up one time. Oh well. You know? Do you do whatever you got to do, you know, and if you got to years later, maybe if the guy, you know, you know, maybe years from now, the guy, uh, you know, you have an opportunity, you know, maybe he breaks up with a girl and you hook up with her and then y'all are even if you want to, you know, do it Games of Thrones style. But otherwise, I'd just let it ride, man. Uh, you know, you just don't want to miss out on the opportunity for a good relationship with a girl because of some jealousy. Uh, especially if your if your dude isn't like, you know, still trying to holler at her. I think that's the move. But also, bro, fuck do I know, son? But gang, man, be good to yourself. You know what I was thinking was this, man. I'd love to know a lot of guys. You know, we we did this a couple of years ago. A lot of girls or guys. If you want to hit the hotline with this, we can put some of these calls in. Um. The first time you touch somebody's crotch, you know, of the opposite sex. Or it could also even be your own crotch, that OC. 
the first time, you know, we had a woman a couple years ago, she called in and the first time a guy touched her little, you know, that little, uh, you know what I'm talking about, that little uh, Vietnamese hot pocket, you feel me, that vagina was in a refrigerator box, in an empty refrigerator box out back in the garage. And everybody has a secret, a sexy little story like that. You know, you snuggled up in a refrigerator box with a young lover and they touch your crotch for the first time. Because, dude, I remember when I was young, bruh. My crotch was like the center of the universe, boy. I mean, they would have a, 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 a falcon would come and land on my crotch at night. And look out over the lands, you know. Your crotch was the only thing. Remember during uh, puberty, bro? Your crotch was the uh, your crotch was uh, the nucleus of the universe. You'd have people, you know, you'd have people lining up outside of your crotch looking for, you know, bread or milk and bread. Your crotch was everything. All your. You know, if, if a fly went by your crotch, you freaking shuddered a little bit. It just, you had so much energy. All your hormones was cr- was crowded up in your crotch. Like there was, you know, like 30 people stuck in a fucking church van or something. The energy, remember that? So hit the hotline, 985-664-9503. We'll put some of the, those, uh, those FTCSs on, those first-time crotch stories on the next episode. And I don't do that to be gross, and I don't want you to leave a gross message please. But I do want you to just tell me about the feelings, the experience you had. The first time, where was it? You know, I know a buddy of mine, the pizza delivery guy had been drinking and he went off the road, crashed his car. And then he he was in a, um, he had a little dementia and he walked away from the pizza vehicle. And my buddy and his girl, they snuck up in there on a second date and touched each, and, and touched each other's junk out there off of uh, Lee Road. So everybody has a neat story. Imagine that. The first time you get in a handful of that of, of that Judy Judy and somebody and they got a you know a faint smell of fucking pepperoni in the air. I mean, Jesus Christ, bruh. Is it Christmas? It should be. Come on. Come on. I'll tell you this, speaking of uh, beautiful meats. If you're looking for easy, affordable way to stock up for summer grilling, as well as a great gift, think Omaha Steaks. Right now, Omaha Steaks is giving a limited-time Father's Day gift offer to my listeners. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter code P-A-S-T, PAST, in the search bar for 74% off the Father's Day Steak Fix gift package. It's a $235 value now for only $59.99. Get that meat. Get that meat. Order now. You'll get two tender filet mignons, two bold top sirloins, two savory pork chops, four Omaha steak burgers, five golden rings. No. Four massive gourmet, gourmet jumbo franks. Four crispy chicken fried steaks. I love chicken fried steak, boy. Dude, if I had only one hand, if one, if I lost a hand, I'd get that bitch replaced. 
with a CFS, boy, that chicken fried steak. Also, you're going to get some all-beef meatballs for premium chicken breast. Boy, look at the tits on that chicken. Four caramel apple tartlets for dessert, a packet of Omaha Steak Signature Seasoning, and you'll get four extra Omaha Steak Burgers for free. Give this amazing package as a gift for Dad or stock up for some incredible summer grilling all at 74% off. Again, order now. You can get this exclusive Omaha Steaks Father's Day Steak Fix Package valued at $235 for just $59.99. Go to omahasteaks.com and type code P-A-S-T into the search bar. That's right. Go to omahasteaks.com and type code P-A-S-T into the search bar. Don't wait. Go to omahasteaks.com, type P-A-S-T in the search bar to get the Father's Day Steak Fix package today. Get the steaks. Also, I'm going to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Uncommon Apothecary. CBD is from the hemp plant, but unlike its sister, Mary Jane, CBD contains less than 0.3% THC. It won't get you high, but it will stop you from feeling low. Several double-blind studies have shown CBD to reduce anxiety. Yep, CBD to reduce anxiety. A friend of mine was on anti-anxiety medicine for 17 years and was able to wean himself off using Uncommon Apothecary's CBD Elixir. It's also been shown to alleviate depression as well as pain and inflammation. You can add it to your coffee in the morning for a mental kickstart. Best of all, it's legal without prescription in all 50 states. Use code THEO, T-H-E-O, today to save 15% off all orders. Or if you want to save even more, sign up for a monthly subscription of your favorite CBD product so you never run out and save an extra 10% off your entire order. Hmm, that's, that's up to 25% off. For every item purchased, Uncommon Apothecary will donate $1 to local homeless shelters. Again, that's UA-CBD and use code THEO at checkout. That's UA, letter U, letter A, dash CBD.com and use code THEO at checkout. Yep, and you can hit the hotline 985-664-9503 for those FTCS, man, that first time crotch story. Onward. Hey, man. uh, Love your podcast, Theo. Love what you do. Thank you, brother. And I appreciate you calling in today, man. And almost happy early Father's Day. I know that's coming up. I'm not sure if you're a father, but you could be. I think you're, uh, you're just the greatest storyteller of this time. Well, that's nice of you to say that, man. Um, you know, we don't do much to keep stories alive anymore. You know, I feel like they're dying. You know, I feel like a lot of people don't care what the story is in uh, in media these days. They just want to just put out something quick and easy. And, and even stories have become clickbait. And so I'm just, I feel very blessed to have the gift to even tell a story. Uh, but thank you for the nice words. Onward. But anyway, uh, my name's Dylan. I'm from uh, Florence, Alabama. I work for the railroad, and uh, a lot of times I'm a conductor. So a lot of times we get on the train, you know, we get to go different places and stuff like that. 
one of the places we go is uh, Memphis, Tennessee, or Memphis, as some some people would call it, you know. Oh, yeah, and that's Memphis. And they used to have, if you drove outside of Memphis about an hour, you could go to Graceland, too. And they had a man out there doing Graceland, I guess. You know, he got upset that Elvis had done it, and he said, well, damn, I'm going to do my own. And you go there at night, and we, me and two of my friends went, went there one night, and uh, and he, he, the man wasn't there. You could knock on his door, and he would take you on a tour museum of his own house, and it was all Elvis memorabilia. It's called Graceland 2. And what happened was uh, we went there, and my friend got bit by a damn huge fucking dog showed up and bit my friend. And it was a black dog or black and brown. So I don't know. That has nothing, I mean, it's not has nothing to do with it, but it uh but yeah, we had to take my buddy to the hospital and all kinds of shit. So we never got to go inside. But anyway, let's hear more. It's a pretty rough area there, man, and uh you know, it, it's it's one of those places where if you don't know where you are in Memphis, you you might not need to stop at the gas station. Oh, yeah. If you don't know where you are in Memphis, you might be dead. I don't know if you've seen 48 hours, but a lot of that, the first 48, sorry. And it's about people in Memphis shooting each other. And then the cops kind of don't know who it is, but they know who it is. Uh, Let's hear more. Some places there, they call the gas stations murder marts. Damn. Well. The barbecued chips. Boy, you better get your chips quick, son. So, uh, but anyway, I just want to know what you think. If you've ever been to Memphis, what you think about about the area uh, and uh, stuff like that. But, but anyway, uh, gang, gang, brother. Gang, gang, man. I mean, I think you have a lot of cities in America where they have, you know, some of the crime problem has gotten a little bit out of hand in specific areas. You know, Memphis is one of those places where you're getting a lot of crime. You know, places you see a lot of poverty. You know, you have a lot of it. Um, Places where you see also a lot of poverty in black community, you have a lot of, um, you have a lot of crime, you know, because over time it's been one of the more impoverished, you know, and also they have a lot of, like a lot of gangsters and, and that sort of thing and uh you know you see a lot of those guys with you know also you know making like guns and murder and that type of stuff look cool um so i I think that's something you probably have in memphis is a lot of that you know uh in new orleans they have it chicago has it um new orleans it seems to be getting real bad uh or just the newspapers say there is. If you go to NOLA.com, it's, you know, it just seems to be something that happens in some of these communities where it's hard to, uh, it's like, how do you eradicate this problem? I think some of it is time. You know, as you get, you know, as more opportunity, you have more opportunity in a lot of diff- for different, you know, for different ethnicities in, in America, more opportunity to make money than you'll see you know uh more comfortable lifestyles where it won't be as much you know as much crime and as much poverty um but yeah i think sometimes the onus could also be taken on by some of these individual communities it's like you know it would be you know it's like how does how do you stop this kind of stuff within these communities it's like i would love you know and maybe this does happen i just don't see it it's like how do you stop like black on black violence? Like, 
you know, it, it's scary sometimes to, I remember growing up in Louisiana, it would be scary sometimes to have a black friend because it, a lot of uh, black guys got murdered. And you just would read about it every day on the newspaper, see it on the news. Like, damn, man, that's scary. You know, it, uh, and then I think it's not a, it gives a scary vibe to, you know, it's, I can't even imagine, dude, being a young black guy in some of those places, um, would be scary. And, and look, I'm sure it's all types of ethnicities and it's all types of, uh, of people and stuff. So I don't even know what I'm talking about. Um, but I think over time, some of that will go away, but some of it is, it's just like, we gotta, you know, like if we, if we continue to champion this sort of like that, it's cool to be like a gangster and that kind of shit, then I don't know if that kind of stuff gets helped. Um, you know, some of it's a culture thing. Some of it's a, like, what's cool. Uh, but then also it might be fun as fuck to be a straight up gangster, bro. Be running around at night playing, you know, you know, all the, the kids that, you know, pay, who have two parents and a little bit of cash, they're inside playing modern warfare and the kids who's out there struggling, those dudes are out there fucking running, ducking over by the murder mart, trying to drink a fucking get through all 32 ounces before they go to that big gulp in the sky. The Lord, before they go see the Lord, it's the freaking murder mart. Um, but all aboard, bruh, you know, I get that bulletproof train, son. Get that bulletproof glass on the front of the train all aboard. But yeah, Memphis, fuck, dude. First 48 gives a bad vibe to that city in the sense that you just, everybody's shooting at each other over there, it always seems like. Um, but yeah, I think sometimes that's a community problem where it's like, how do you, you know, like, it, it you know, it's, it's everybody's problem, but it's also, it's like within certain communities, you have some things that just after a while seems like, are these things going to go away or maybe they are going away and the media is just keeps playing them up and acting like they aren't, you know, I don't know. I wish I kind of knew more sometimes, but you know, the fuck do I know, man? Let's hear another call. Here we go. Hey Theo, my name's Kyle Locke. I'm from Seattle, Washington. What's up Kyle. And I'll be up there in two weeks up there in Seattle. Uh, onward. I just wanted, uh, to talk to you about Bali and uh, me and my fiance are going there for our honeymoon in the end of July. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, that's exciting to hear that you guys have a honeymoon coming up and that you guys have each other. You guys are going to get to be over there and it's really, I think, romantic. That's one thing I wish I'd have had when I'd have been there was just a romance. You know, I didn't have a romance. They had a guy that brought breakfast over to my place in the morning, a little guy, you know, a beautiful guy named uh, Dewa. And he seemed hella chill and, you know, good with the eggs, good with the omeletry. And he'd bring that through and roll through with that aguacates, you know, them avos. So, gang. Uh, getting married on July 4th. So I just wanted to see what you thought about Bali, man. I know I heard a little bit on your last podcast that you said that it was, like, really good people and, and those dogs with the big-ass balls. But, yeah, man, uh, if you could, you know, let me know. What the heck you really liked about it? Was it the food or the or the culture, the people? I'm I'm ready to to get my my travel on. So, gang, gang, I love what you're doing over there. Uh, you're all open about your feelings and things like that. And I appreciate that. So, well, thank you, man. I'm excited for you guys. You guys got you guys got engaged. You're getting married. 
uh, in July, man. You're heading over there. What a lot. What a great. I mean, this is just going to be probably one of the best summers of your life, you know, or not bad. I mean, it will be a great summer. You know, it will be like an amazing summer. It will be a special summer. That's what I mean. You know, it'll be a special summer. It's summertime, man. Anything could happen in the summer. The sun gets for the sun gets hot. The sun puts on sunglasses. That's when you know the party start. Girls, you'll see a girl, you know, maybe she didn't even have any breasts before. Now she got a little bit of breast. Maybe your buddy even shows up with a couple of freaking couple of B coops, boy, on them. You know what I'm saying? Old breasty Jeff rolls up. You're like, damn. Jeff got them milky front pieces, and anything can happen. It's summertime, sandcastles, you know, somebody hides a bottle of fucking, uh, you know, raspberry schnapps out there in a fucking sand dune, and you guys getting liquored up, and you out there talking about witchcraft and touching each other's junk over there, over there in the salt water off of uh, Perdido Bay. Anything can happen. You know, you might be out there, you might, they might have a girl who puts her mouth on the ground and suck a crustacean right out, one of them ditch crawfish right out the damn ditch bank. And who knew that would get you erect? Just watching that, watching a girl, you know, just face take a crustacean, you know, watching a girl just, just face take a damn shrimp right out of the earth. With her lung power. It's beautiful. I mean, anything could happen. It's summer. Summer solstice. Summer uh, summer slam. Dude, wrestlers are excited. They're fucking slamming each other. I mean, it's summertime and anything can happen, man. But I'm glad you guys are getting that marriage. You're going to be over in Bali. I recommend it. I recommend you stay in Changu or you get even more rural than Changu. That's where I was. Seminyak seems a little too too much going on. You can get out into, uh, if you really want to be by the beach, just find a more rural place. I think as long as you get like a little villa or something, the more rural the better. But the people are so kind, you're going to really be able to relax. You know, I would try to keep my phone off as much as possible and just do your best to, uh, to spend time together. I think it sounds like, you guys are really going to knock it out of the park. You know, you could rent scooters, but I also enjoy just getting, you know, a little scooter and getting on somebody's back and holding on to somebody you don't know, taking a chance. You know, it's the closest I've been to a successful relationship really was jumping on the back of a scooter and not, I don't even know if it was a man or woman in the helmet and just, you know, and just riding with them, taking a chance, man. So, but yeah, fresh fruit. You know, just drink bottled water. You know that drill. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else. Like, I didn't do. I don't do a lot of nightlife or anything. So I was low key up early. It was beautiful, man. It was beautiful. I don't think you. Could, I don't. I don't think that you could go wrong. Uh, let's take another call right here. What's up, Theo? This is Bruce from Rochester or Neck Neck Tag Country. Rochester, that ROC boy. Shout out to my boy Baggins, dude, who passed away a couple years ago. He OD'd over there by the Pizza Hut by the Days Inn. And, uh, you know, he was hopped up. I think he, you know, was on them lewds and on that garbage plate, bro. He got a, caught a thick garbage plate and couldn't, couldn't get it down, bro. Gang, bro. Onward. Um, I just want to leave a 
comment on the podcast you had with Chris Lilly. When you were talking about you had a, a dream about him, I just wanted to mention that I actually also had a dream about you the night before. Oh, okay. This is wild, man, because I've never been down this territory where I'm talking to a man that had a dream about me. And so I'm curious to see how uh, how this will go. Let's hear more, brother. Thank you for calling. And we were I was in a comedy club, and it was very crowded. I was trying to make my way out of the club. And you were trying to make your way through the club, trying to go through the crowd there. And there was a little break in the people. And uh, so we met up. Damn, this shit is getting erotic. Huh? Or maybe not. Maybe it's just two guys passing in a club about to find out. In my dream. And uh, when I tried to pass by you, you gave me a look, kind of a little bit of an attitude, a little huff and puff. Okay. Then this sounds like me at the beginning of my comedy tour behind the scenes, man. I was puffing, man. I, I was getting slithering. And then uh, I started to kind of really Gryffindor out towards the end. Onward. When I went by you, as if like I was in your way, and I I know it was just a dream, but I do still feel like maybe you owe me an apology, and so I just wanted to put that out there. Listen, uh, I understand where you're coming from if you don't apologize, but I just I felt like you know maybe that was the right thing to do at this point. Gang, gang. Huh? Uh, you know, with uh, apology for the subconscious behavior. You know what, man? I will apologize. Uh, it's, uh, I, I don't need to be right, man. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry, man. I think I, that, that, you know, I have had some of that behavior recently. I think I've been in a lot of fear about just things changing in my life and just not knowing how to act and, you know, just worried about, well, how people are going to think of me and, Worried if I'm deserving of, of different opportunities and uh, just worried like if the world is like tricking me, you know, worried if the world is like just tricking me and saying, oh, well, here's something you're going to be able to get to do, but then we're just tricking you. You're going to wake up or you're going to, some harsh reality is going to show up and change things. And I know some stuff we don't have control over, but... I could see myself probably if if I was in my subconscious walking past somebody and giving them kind of a little bit of a, <laughs> you know, a harumph. So I'm sorry about that. You know, I'm sorry about that, dude. I could have, you know, I could have made the choice to be seeing you and just giving you a smile or giving you a thumbs up or, you know, no thumbs up, which is also a new thing a lot of people are doing. Two hands out, closed fist, thumb tucked away inside the hand, no thumbs up. People are like, well, what in the what in the hell's going on? But it's cool looking. All right, guy, no thumbs up. Um, and that's like a Japanese thing. It's like a new, it's like the peace sign, but it's like newer than that. Uh, so I'm sorry I did that, man. And next time we see each other, yeah, keep your chakras open because I'll make sure to, you know, give you a little bit of an elbow, uh, you know, a fist bump or something hearty, something lovable, you know. Maybe just, you know, I'll do have a little baton. I'll do a quick little B-twirl, a little baton twirl. You know, I'll show you a little bit of flair or something. I'll put a little uh, put a little pendant on your, on your lapel, maybe something. You know, something that says vote for Jerry or something. You know, and then another pendant that says who the fuck is Jerry. So that way you kind of get the full deal. 
We had some Patreon questions. We're going to get to them next time. And this jet lag is literally shutting my face down. Um, I don't know. If the, I don't think there's anything else to, to 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 share at the moment. I just want to apologize to anybody. I know there's sometimes where people reach out and like I try to get people tickets, and a lot of times I try to help, and and a lot of times tickets are sold out to 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 to, to shows. Uh, be careful. There's a lot of second and third party websites that will sell tickets at extraordinary prices. Those are not the regular ticket sites. Those are second and third party. You got to look at the name. It can be, sometimes they'll make the name just like Ticketmaster. It'll be like Licketmaster. And the ticket's $200 for the show. I don't sell tickets at those higher prices. So if you see something going on like that, that's not a natural ticket. And you want that natural choice, you know. You don't want that breach birth ticket. You know, you, you, you think you're coming to see me and you go to see Lyle Lovett and his mother and they doing knitting or something or doing, you know, yogling. Oh, yeah, man, my brain is a little bit fried from the trip, but I'm happy to be home. I'm in a new studio. I have no clue what's going to happen. Um, you know, but I'm uh, uh, this is the risk that I'm willing to take right now. You know, because I've learned some from a previous experience when we took the first risk, it, you know, it was good. And maybe we're overstepping our bounds and getting more space. I don't know. Um, so I'm curious to see you know, how we'll fill this space and if we'll fill it and with what, you know, but I feel like it's some new opportunity. Uh, and I feel like, um, I've been feeling a lot of like inspiration recently to do some, um, cool, like giving back and outreach type of stuff. And I don't, I don't know what that's going to be, but I can really feel it starting to gestate inside of me. Uh, but thank you guys for your patience. Thank you guys for being here today. Um, thanks for the calls. As always, the hotline, 985-664-9503. We had some great Patreon questions from Matthew Puccinelli, Marissa Bruno, Olivia Abair, Ciara Smith, Mike Nucci, and Quinn Hassan. Uh, and I'll get to some of those next week. But uh, you guys be good to yourselves, man. Uh, on the way out, let's go out with some Jameson Flood every night. me. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jonathan Kite, and welcome to Kite Club, a podcast where I'll be sharing thoughts on things like current events, stand-up stories, and seven ways to pleasure your partner. The answer may shock you. Sometimes I'll interview my friends. Sometimes I won't. And as always, I'll be joined by the voices in my head. You have three new voice messages. A lot of people are talking about Kite Club. 
I've been talking about Kite Club for so long, longer than anybody else. So great. Hey, sweetheart, here's a deal. Anyone who doesn't listen to Kite Club is a dodgy bloody wanker. Jermaine. Hi, I'll take a quarter pounder with cheese and a McFlurry. I think Tom Hanks just butt-dialed me. Anyway, first rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Second rule of Kite Club is tell everyone about Kite Club. Third rule, like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or watch us on YouTube, yeah? And yes, don't worry, my Brad Pitt impression will get better.